Welcome, travelers. Welcome to season two of Travel Happens. <laughs> if all goes as planned, this should be episode 15. Hopefully, I, I, it, it's a bit of a crazy summer, uh, but here at Travel Happens, we are rolling with punches. I don't know what temperatures are like where you are listening to this podcast, but both Heather and I are experiencing heat waves in both Texas and Pennsylvania. So, uh, and I know they're experiencing uh, heat waves in Europe as well. I mean, the UK, it's around, uh, you know, around 100 degrees Fahrenheit or you know, almost 40 degrees Celsius. And um, the rivers, you know, the Rhine, they're concerned about the water levels for river cruising, but they're they're keeping watch on it and they've got the plans on how to adjust. Um, Today's episode might be a welcome distraction to this heat wave that we're currently experiencing. So let's get started. This is Travel Happens, a podcast all about enhancing your vacation. Do you want to make your trip go smoother, easier, and more special? Keep listening. I'm your host, Destination Douglas. Think of me as Maureen Sedai, Tyrion Lannister, Gandalf, Mr. Miyagi, and Yoda all rolled into one. I'm your guide when it comes to cruises. Joining me today is Heather Brookshire, a theme park specialist that focuses on everyone's favorite food, favorite topic, food. <laughs> uh, let's face it, you don't want it to occur, but travel happens. We are there to supply advice, guidance, aid, and be your advocate through all the potholes and pitfalls to your destination. Do you need help in planning a trip? Reach out and we can make it happen. Heather, I'm a bit confused this week. Um, because when I talked to you about what we should discuss, you mentioned Christmas and July in the same sentence. Doesn't Christmas fall in December? What's going on? What exactly will we be talking about on t- this week's episode? Well, in an effort to keep us all cool and thinking about cooler winter months ahead, since it is so swelteringly hot outside, I thought what best you know, what topic best than uh, to talk about Christmas in July. Excellent. So we're talking about news. What news do you have for us, Heather? Well, there's a pretty big news item. The Disney Wish has made her maiden voyage. Uh, This was just this last weekend, July 14th through 19th. Um, Thanks for giving away when we're recording. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, when you have news items, they're pretty uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty specific yeah. sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Um, she is the largest uh, Disney ship to date and will be the first of three new ships released over the next few years. Um, I've seen photos and videos of the new ship. She is just absolutely gorgeous and I can't wait to step foot. What about you? Have you heard anything about her? I've only heard wonderful things from people who were like on the christening uh, voyage that they had. So yeah, I, I, I just heard wonderful things. Yes, the the slide that they have, which is the first attraction at sea, looks amazing. Um, think of it as uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway on a slide because it has Mickey and Minnie, the same kind of cartoons as that attraction at uh, Hollywood studios does, but then it continues on and you actually like ride the slide down to the pool. But I have a confession. What's Listen, <laughs> with this heat wave, I'm telling you, just get me out of town and I'll be yeah. happy. I don't, I don't just put me on a cruise ship. I'll be fine. All right. Yeah. Just put me next to the water. It's too hot. I, I want to go, cool off somewhere exactly what else you got 
So Food and Wine Festival at Epcot has begun and it will run through November 19th. This year there are 25 booths. And a first that uh, I'm aware of is that Belgium is going to be open for breakfast with waffles and iced coffee. The rest of the booths will open at 11 to 1130. Uh, so this is interesting that there's one where you can get something earlier in the day instead of having to wait until lunchtime to start snacking. Mm -hmm. And there will also be two uh, hunts around the World Showcase. Uh, Remy's Hide and Go Squeak, which is a usual one for the Food and Wine Festival. And this year during October for Halloween, there will also be Pluto's Pumpkin Pursuit. Interesting. I'm all about getting a extra little goodie. I know. I love doing the hunts. It's fun to look for whatever character is for the, the uh, current festival to find them in the showcase because some of those are really hard to find. Well, I got to admit something that on my last trip to Food and Wine Festival, I cheated. And <laughs> I looked up what the, you know, I was going uh, towards the end of the festival. So people had gone through the, the adventure and had posted what the answers, you know, where you could find Remy. And um, I cheated because all, and also, you know, when I was down there, it was for me significantly warmer <laughs> than what I was dealing with uh, in late October in Pennsylvania. So um, I did not have the patience to deal with wandering all over trying to discover I'm like no I'm just going to um, cheat and get my goodie I'll tell you a secret yes you don't have to find them all in order to get your prize oh oh, oh, oh okay <laughs> we will deal you can divulge your secrets to your clients <laughs> uh, what other news do you have for us uh, a new feature of My Disney Experience uh, has launched. Uh, it's already available at Walt Disney World, and it'll be available soon at Disneyland. Um, and that is the car locator feature. And that is so you do not lose your car in the vast parking lot that is Magic Kingdom when you're coming out at midnight after having been in the park all day. You know Have what? You been... I, I've had that feature all along. It's called take my phone out, take a picture of where my car is parked and then look at the picture when I'm, uh, you know, hunting for the car. That's so, right. I mean, although, you know, when you're stumbling out Disney of the for parks, thinking, but... <laughs> when you're stumbling out of the parks at night, you're like, did I take a picture? Maybe I didn't. So anyways, well, that's it. it I, I make a, I would make a habit of that just in my daily life. I go to the supermarket. I'm taking a picture of where the heck I parked that car because <laughs> Lord knows where I might end up. Hopefully it was a shady spot. So your car is not so hot when you come back out. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, something else we've talked about before, uh, we mentioned that Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind opened in late May. Um, so myself and two of the other travel advisors who guested on the show, the two Amy's, um, we went to Walt Disney World a few weeks ago and have now experienced it for ourselves. And let me tell you what, it was amazing. It lives up to the hype. I can't even really describe the ride to you because... I hey, just spoilers. Don't have, <laughs> I don't even have the words to spoil it with. Oh, okay. I can tell you that we were only supposed to be at Epcot one day, and we decided to uh, uh, hop on our Magic Kingdom day over to Epcot, and we bought a Lightning Lane so that we could do it again. That's wow. how good it was. Interesting, because um, you know, with the the Remy ride in Epcot. Um, people's reaction wasn't the greatest because people had already experienced um, similar technology on other attractions. So a lot of people, their reaction was, it's cute. It's cute. I enjoy it. So it's nice to hear that it has a definite wow factor involved. Oh, absolutely. 
uh, and just an FYI. So there are, there are different songs that you can mm -hmm. uh, experience the attraction with. There are six different ones. Uh, we did get two different songs. I don't remember what, which two they were, but we did get two different ones and it did make, make for a slightly different ride each time. Great. So my last item is an announcement that uh, myself and Amy Krause will be hosting a live on Facebook next week. Uh, we will be, again, talking about all things Christmas. So it'll be very similar to what you're going to talk about on today's episode. A little bit. Um, so today I'm going to be very specific in the part of Christmas I talk about. And next week we're going to be more broad and talk about everything. Okay. So what day? Uh, that will be week. Thursday, July 28th at 7 p.m. Central. Oh, wow. That's okay. That's very specific. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for, you know, I, I, I love the answer, but I was not, you know, depending upon it. So that's great. Um, so in terms of general travel news, um, there's news about U.S. passports. Getting a U.S. passport renewed still takes longer than it did pre-COVID, but wait times have improved since the worst of the pandemic, according to a U.S. State Department spokesperson. Uh, according to that spokesperson, passports are now being issued within 8 to 11 weeks for routine service and as little as 5 to 7 weeks for expedited service. Time periods uh, that cover, quote, when an application arrives at a passport agency until we issue a passport, end quote. And that turnaround time is longer than it was in 2019 when the State Department increased the typical processing time from four to six weeks to five to seven weeks, but still a major improvement over what some travelers have experienced over the last two, uh, excuse me, over the last two plus years. So, hey, we all love to see improvement, you know? Well, and that's really good news, you know, since things are starting to go at a much more rapid pace now, getting your passport, especially if you need it quickly, that's important. Yeah, and then um, if you, there are ways to cut it down even shorter if you have some kind of dire emergency that you need to get out of this country, but I'm not gonna waste everybody's time talking about that. If you have that issue, talk to your travel advisor and uh, we'll help you out in those situations. Um, ho ho now, if you want a passport within a week, uh, I think you're pretty <laughs> much out of luck there. But if, if you have a little bit of time, we might be able to help you out. Um, then in regards to river cruising, as I said at the top of this podcast, a heat wave is going on in Europe, causing major issues along the Rhine River, which is experiencing some of its lowest levels in over a decade. Temperatures are often around 38 degrees Celsius or 100 degrees through much uh, uh, Fahrenheit through much of Europe. Uh, river cruise lines, some of which are finally operating their first full summer season since the pandemic shut down the industry in 2020, uh, spoke to TMR this week and said that they are preparing for disruptions. However, contingency plans should low levels prevent sailings from moving ahead as planned differ based on how each line is operating. So if, you know, you think that, you know, this is a possible hiccup in your plans, reach out to me and we can talk about it and make things happen. And then the biggest news of all is that the CDC will be transitioning its role in guidance of the cruise industry. So all that color coding chart gone. No more color coded charts. The cruise industry doesn't need more bad press. Um, they have instituted rules to help with health and safety. And now the CDC recognizes the work that the cruise industry has done. Um, so 
they're still going to be providing some guidelines. My impression is it's just not as um, emphatic in the way they're dealing with the cruise industry. Um, basically, the whole con- that whole idea is the CDC is now treating the cruise industry like all other travel <laughs> industries, like all hotels and airlines and trains and buses and all of that. It's all being treated equally. Thank goodness. Um, the CDC has written on its website that as of July 18th, 2022, the CDC's COVID-19 program for cruise ships is no longer in effect and it will no longer update pages that tracked cases on board ships. Um, the news is another major milestone in the journey away from COVID era rules used to monitor transmission and safety in the travel industry since 2020. The CDC provided guidelines on testing, vaccination, and mask wearing. And the CDC transitioned from that mandatory program to a voluntary one earlier this year. Really, that voluntary program, it it, it basically was like the mandatory one because almost virtually every single cruise ship that uh, people would go on had signed up to follow CDC's rules. So even though technically it was voluntary, there was absolutely no difference. Um, And uh, the CDC has yet to reveal what the new guidelines that they're going to be proposing will be. And in a statement, Cruise Lines International Association, otherwise known as CLIA, called the news quote, a testament to the effectiveness of the industry's comprehensive and robust protocols. So big, big news. Um, And I'm like really divided on how I feel about (laughs) all of that because now everybody's question is, okay, now that the CDC is no longer having the, you know, it is not, controlling things as tightly as they once were, um, what does this mean for all the protocols of my particular cruise? Well, the protocols will now be dictated by the individual cruise lines. So Disney will dictate what are the protocols for a Disney cruise line. Um, Virgin Voyages will dictate what are the protocols for a virgin voyage and go you can go on down the line. And so now the question is everybody's wondering does this mean I'm going to need a vaccine to cruise anymore? Does this mean I need to take a pre-cruise uh, antigen test? And the answer it really is we don't know. <laughs> um th- my personal opinion is I don't think uh, vaccines are going away anytime soon. Um, the CDC has basically um, said that if you're six months old or older, you should get a vaccine. So I think it, the cruise lines will follow that. And, and in most cases, you will need a vaccine. I'm I'm pretty sure that's how it's going to fall out. If you're an adult, you you're going to need a vaccine. Um, if you're a child, there'll be some a little bit of leeway for young children. Right now, in a lot of cases, you know, ten percent of passengers can get away with not being vaccinated on a lot of cruise lines, but. Um, I really don't see vaccination status rules changing. What possibly could change are testing requirements. Like um, I'm going on a cruise at the very end of October, and that's enough time where they might decide that uh, I don't have to take any tests prior to going on the cruise. Uh, On the one hand, I'm really excited about that prospect because that means less money because those uh, proctored uh, 
exams, you know, not only do you have to buy one, but you have to buy a backup one because accidents happen. You accidentally knock off the test off the table <laughs> or when they packed it, they didn't, it, uh, the, the liquid that they have in those tests has now evaporated. And so that test isn't good for you anymore. So not only do you need to buy one test before you cruise, you need more than that because you need backup. And then um, on top of that, like Walgreens used to provide free testing. And my understanding now is it's not free anymore. <laughs> so you have to, you know, pay for that. And then, um, so ending testing will be nice on my pocketbook. But then on the other hand, I don't like being sick. Don't get me sick. Don't, <laughs> and especially don't get me sick enough that I would need to go into the hospital. I have a friend who uh, recently, within the past few weeks, uh, has had COVID and had to be rushed to the hospital. So, you know, I, I don't want that. So it would be nice if there's some protocol in place to decrease the chances of me getting COVID while on board a ship. Um, and then, let's see. What else was I going to say? I don't know. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, to your point, that's a very, it's a very double-edged sword because, you yeah. know, we don't want to have to test anymore, but especially in the case of a cruise ship where, you know, you're kind of in confined quarters, you know, you don't want the chances of you getting sick are a little higher just because you're in closer proximity to people than you are maybe on a, you know, routine daily basis. And so the chances of you. Well, I don't know about your routine daily basis, but. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who get up into mischief <laughs> and um, go into restaurants where, you know, tables are right on top of each other. And I'm, I think uh, there's very little difference between on land and other and uh, ocean cruising or river cruising. So you can, people get it wherever at, we're just, we're just living in COVID's world at this point. That's, <laughs> it seems that way. It seems that way. All right. So when we get back, you're going to be talking all about Christmas in July, right? Yes, but a very yeah. specific part. And I'm sure our listeners will be so shocked to which part I'm going to talk about. Okay. But are you talking about the what happens during Christmas time? And it just so happens we're talking about it now in July, or is it specific things that are going on in the Disney parks that have to do with Christmas, but they're celebrating it in July? No, we're going to talk about what actually happens in December okay. in the parks. We just happen to be talking about it in July to help right. make ourselves feel a little cooler. Yep. That plus uh, ice cold ice tea filled with ice cubes helps and uh, my air conditioning. All right. So when we come back, <laughs> Christmas in July. Like what you are hearing? Tell your friends that they too can now find us on their favorite podcast player like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. We need help. And to help us uh, get increased exposure, a five-star review is beyond price, but doesn't cost you any money. Uh, if you make a review, reach out to me, and I'll be sure to mention you in a future podcast. My contact information is in the show notes. Should you fail to make a review, I will place a curse on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't mess around. If you do not leave a review, your ice-making machine will never make ice. Plus, your manual ice cube trays mysteriously are always empty. I curse you with room temperature beverages should you fail to leave a review. So leave a review today. We're back. Christmas in July. Go for it. Let's hear all about it. So my favorite part of 
Christmas in the Disney parks, something that I was super excited to see when we finally went to Disney at Christmas for the first time is the gingerbread displays of Walt Disney World. And there are usually several different ones in different locations around the uh, resort. So you have to go on a bit of a crawl to kind of go find them all. Right, exactly. Um, so from my understanding, it started in, a, in the late 90s. Um, and the very first one is probably the most famous, the one that you've probably seen pictures of before. Maybe you didn't know where it was or didn't even know that it was Disney, but it is a nearly life-size gingerbread house. And it is at the Grand Floridian. You can actually buy treats from the window that's on the kind of on the backside of the display. Uh, lots of gingerbread treats. You can buy gingerbread houses, ginger, gingerbread shingles that are made from the same dough as what the covering of the large gingerbread house is made from. I love gingerbread. I do. I, I would have it year. I don't know why I don't have it year round, but I would eat it year round. I love it. Go ahead. My house smells really good right now. I actually baked my first batch of gingerbread today for a project I'm working on for more Christmas and July fun for next week. Excellent. So the next the next display that was added was at the Beach Club, which came just a few years after the Grand Floridian. And this one is very unique because the theme of it changes every year. It is a gingerbread carousel, mm -hmm. and it actually does move. Um, it continue it does does continuous rotations all day long. And I believe there are four horses, and each each year they pick a different theme. Uh, recent ones have been Lilo and Stitch, and Peter Pan. And the Fab Five, actually, I take that back. There are five horses. There's four on the carousel and there's one that's stationary so that you can take better pictures of it <laughs> since it's not moving. And each display has a plaque, an edible plaque, that tells how many pounds of ingredients go into uh, these displays. Uh, so I'll just read off a quick list of how many pounds of these ingredients it takes to to make these uh, come to life. 100 pounds of honey, 300 pounds of bread flour, 100 pounds of eggs. Can you imagine 100 pounds of eggs? How much that would be? That would be 100 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Just buckets, buckets and buckets of eggs. 10 pounds of spices, 10 pounds of simple syrup, 100 pounds of icing, 10 quarts of egg whites, 100 pounds of confectioner's sugar, 50 pounds of dark chocolate. So try, try to keep the drool to a minimum when you can <laughs> smell the chocolate and the gingerbread when you go see these displays. That's what the little kiosk is for. So you can go buy your treats as you're smelling the wonderful mm -hmm. um, display. 50 pounds of modeling chocolate and 200 gum paste flowers. And it takes a huge team to pull off each one of these incredible displays. And they start pretty early in the year. I believe they start three to four months in advance uh, doing all the baking. And they just hold it until it's time to go assemble. And I think it usually takes three or four days, especially for the Grand Floridian one, to come to life. You can actually watch it um, come to life if you happen to be there at the right time when they're putting it all together. Sweet. Literally. <laughs> exactly. That's just what I was going to say. Uh, so in recent years, more, they keep adding more and more displays. COVID kind of took that back a notch. Um, so they kind of dialed it back. Uh, 2020, I believe they only had really one and it really wasn't publicized, but, but they made a, I'm going to put in air quotes, a mini um, gingerbread house. It was still a pretty good size. It was still probably 18 inches to two feet. That was the Grand Floridian um, gingerbread house that was over at the um, Grand Floridian Cafe. Um, but now it's back to kind of where it was pre-pandemic last year. I believe they had four or five of the displays, um, one of which is in the contemporary. That one started in 2009, and it's usually themed with Mary Blair in mind since the Grand mm -hmm. uh, Canyon Concourse is theme, was uh, modeled after Mary Blair's designs. Um, in the past, it has been Frozen and Cinderella themed which is really cute because they make the characters look like they come from the world of it's a small world. So they're very childish and kind of simple, but they're just really, really adorable. 
that one's actually one of my favorite displays to go um, visit. Um, also, there's been one at the Boardwalk, which features the Boardwalk Bakery. It's kind of a 3D um, like diorama because there's you can like see inside of it, and there's like Mickey working in the bakery. Um, and then at the Wilderness Lodge, there's another very large one, which is a little mini um, log cabin. And that one's in their grand lobby. And then also Saratoga Springs uh, got in on the action a few years ago. And they had just kind of a almost mini gingerbread contest. There were six or seven displays of smaller houses, but they were all kind of lined up in a row. So it made a little village. It was really cute. Now there is one that is not really a freebie. So all of those are free. You can go and do this gingerbread crawl for free because they're all at Disney resorts. Now there's one that is in park and it's at Epcot. Do you know what it is themed to? I have no clue. So it is usually in the American pavilion and it is themed to the DC monuments. Oh, that's interesting. So it's usually the Capitol and the Washington monument. And I believe they've had the, the, um, Lincoln and Jefferson monuments in recent years too. There was one time they had it in, oh, I forget what the building is called, but it's over between uh, France and Canada. Is that right? Is that where that is? England and Canada. Uh, but on that <laughs> side of the park. Yeah, over there on that side of the park. Over there. Yeah, there's a, there's a large building that they use for big events sometimes. And they were using it for Festival of Holidays at the time. And they had a really big display. That's probably, that's the largest one I had ever seen at Epcot. They really went all out that year for it. Now, do the, are you able to break off pieces of these gingerbread houses to munch on? Um, no, that is uh, very much frowned upon. <laughs> you can, you can uh, eat it with your eyes, but not your mouth. <laughs> um, they because they stay on display from early November until early January, so you're usually there for about two months. Right. But like I said, there's usually a snack stand nearby or inside of the display. In the case of the Grand Floridian, where you can buy uh, gingerbread shingles or uh, gingerbread Mickey Mouse, you can even buy an entire house. Okay, all right. Now, so I'll gonna... get my uh, gingerbread fix that way. That's good. That's right. Now, how you're going to get the house home without it breaking? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Maybe <laughs> you maybe you live like in Winter Park, Florida, so you're a hop, skip, and a jump, and you you know you put it into you know the back of a van with moving tarps. <laughs> right. Well, okay, they're not that big. They're you know. <laughs> They're sized for, you know, your dining room table. They won't even, they're, okay. they're a centerpiece for your dining room table, but okay. they won't take up Put the whole table. Put it in the table. back of my SUV. There you go. <laughs> okay. And hopefully it will transport to, you know, my little outlying township of Orlando. Right. Yeah. Or you drove. So it's not as big of a hassle as if you are flying home. If you're flying home, I guess you'd have to carry it on. Talk to your friendly <laughs> travel advisor and they'll discuss with, with you plans of how to deal with your gingerbread house. There might be an expert in the house that's actually flown with display pieces before. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah. For like the competitions and stuff, right? Yeah, I did that back in April. But you might want to plan ahead for that. If you're, if you're yes. planning yeah. on buying one, let's talk about that before you go on vacation because it's going to yeah. be much, much easier if you plan for it. <laughs> no doubt. So, you know, in addition to just being able to stare at this at these displays all all day long because they're so detailed, usually on the plaque that talks about how many pounds of ingredients it took to make these uh, come to life, there's a little stanza about uh, the hidden Mickey's. Each one has a certain number of hit, like I think they're usually golden hidden Mickey's that are painted in various places. And the goal is to try and find them all. It's usually right. 20 to 25, depending on the display. Yeah. Oh, wow. But that's just an extra layer of, you know, fun to going to see these displays. Right. I mean, for people who uh, 
go back year after year after year, you need to keep them entertained in some way. Right. I mean, because these displays do change. I mean, they are not the same every right. single you year. You described how are... they have different themes each year. Yeah. Well, and even in the case of the Grand Floridian Gingerbread House, it's the same base every year that they decorate with the gingerbread, but it's fresh gingerbread every single year. Right. They and don't so... mummify the gingerbread houses <laughs> and keep, they haven't kept them for like 20, 30 years. No, no. <laughs> but I actually heard, I actually, uh, there was a, an article about it at the end of, of last year's Christmas season about what they do with the gingerbread after the I was going to ask about that. I was going to yeah. ask, you know, when I was asking, can you take off a little piece? So when the season is over and they're about to dismantle the gingerbread houses, it can can I get my piece of the gingerbread house then? That really is a good question. Maybe it's not going to be edible at that point because it's been exposed to the air and elements and things for a couple of months now. I was but... thinking about that. Like, do they keep these in rooms that are, you know, basically like air conditioned to the S degree? Um, it doesn't have to be super air conditioned because you don't want to refrigerate cookies. Okay. Um, it is a dry product, so they can be kept at room temperature, but you wouldn't want it to be outside in the Florida heat and humidity that is no. still no that is well, still December. Right. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of critters out in Florida, so uh, I don't think those houses would last too long. No. Okay. So. As I was saying, there was an article that I read at the end of last year's season that they, uh, they, when they disassemble them, they take them outside and they give them to the honeybees. Oh. They really enjoy the gingerbread and the icing. I guess they like sugar. <laughs> and maybe it makes the honey, the honey sweeter. Uh, so that's what they do at the end of every season is they go and give it to the honeybees to give them food to eat during the winter. Does Disney have like beehives? At, I guess. Well, I think they do. I mean, they've got to have the, they have to have the bees to source to the meals. The, well, and to pollinate the flowers for flower and garden. Mm. So it's one big, one big life cycle. You know how Disney is about their recycling. So about this, about the circle of life. Yes. yes. <laughs> In this case, the circle of food. Like. So is that everything with gingerbread houses? Well, I do have one little last tidbit here, and that is that you can find the displays not only at Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, but also at Disneyland. Oh. Uh, they actually start a little bit earlier as they do the Haunted Mansion overlay with the Nightmare Before Christmas. They do a gingerbread house inside of the Haunted Mansion that's in the big ballroom scene on the ride itself. Oh, well, if memory serves me right, I'm in some kind of, oh, I'm in the doom buggy. That's what they're called. Yes. B-O-O-M as in Mary buggy. And, um, oh, that's smart of them. There's no way I can get to the gingerbread house. That's awesome. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so on that one, you you really don't have enough. You have no opportunity to be able to get to that gingerbread house because not only is it not reachable, but it's. You're, you're uh, not strapped in, but there's a bar. <laughs> there's a safety bar. <laughs> <laughs> so on this Facebook Live event that you're doing with Amy, um, what types of things are you going to be talking about? So we'll briefly touch on the, uh, the gingerbread houses again, but we will also talk about Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, uh -huh. which happens at uh, Magic Kingdom as a hard ticket event, which means that it is a separate entry uh, from a basically a day pass into the parks. Right. Um, I bet it, you we have a whole podcast episode about that at some point. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's going to come up. Yeah. That's going to come up sooner rather than later. It may be July now, but... Right. <laughs> um, we will also be talking about um, other freebie things to do, such as the tree trail at uh, Disney Springs, um, as well as all the treats that you can find and just all of the holiday magic that is at Disney World during the holidays. Can't believe you didn't mention my favorite thing. What's that? I love the. I was going to use it 
foul language. <gasps> uh, <laughs> I love toy soldiers in the parade. Yes. That's my favorite. You know, you're going to have to tune in next week to hear what I thought about them the first time I saw the parade in person because I was... I was traumatized. No, no, not traumatized. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised at this one detail. I it's just not something I'd ever thought about before. Um, and then being there in person, I was like, oh my gosh, that's actually that's real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when we're back, we'll be talking about uh we're obsessed. Okay, so we're obsessed, and uh, this is our moment to talk about our lives, talk about something uh, that enrages us, that we want to go on a rant about, want to rave about, or it's just all-consuming us. Do you have something uh, that is that you're obsessed about this week? Well, this uh, has definitely been consuming my life for the last uh, week or so, and it will for another week. And that's, uh, like I said earlier, I did my first batch of gingerbread today in preparation for some other things next week. So my life is already starting to turn to gingerbread, even though, again, it's only July. <laughs> <laughs> um, so currently I am in the uh, I'm in the gingerbread obsessed mode uh-huh. <laughs> um, for, for a few different projects, but one of them is for uh, I'm doing a Christmas in July um, push next week. Um, so I'm designing the 2022 gingerbread house um, for the Cake Whisperer, and it will be revealed next Friday um, on both Facebook and Instagram. So look for that uh, on social media near you. <laughs> I love that. Thank goodness I ate before we recorded this show. I learned that in season one <laughs> that I need to eat before we talk with Heather. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to get hungry. Because we're always going to talk. You should know if I'm a, if it's if it's my turn, we're yes. going to talk about food somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along the way. Somehow we'll sneak it in. That's right. Um. So is uh, do you have anything else more to say about that? I don't think so. Just that. Uh, pray for me that that the oven doesn't go out because it's old and it's hot. And um, well, I was just going to say. <laughs> It's hot outside, and then you you're you're turning this oven on these temperatures, and then you're battling it out with air conditioning. I'm imagining, otherwise, yes, uh, you'd be a puddle right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. You know, I'm not. I, I look a little shiny, but I'm not sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so no, the, the AC is keeping up. Although in the afternoons, it does tend to run a lot, especially if I have the oven on. Yeah. Well, I'm obsessed with a new TV show. Oh, okay. So we're going to go down this rabbit hole again. You got me started on The Gilded Age. What am I going to have to watch now? Well, I don't know. It's not for everybody. So um, I get all of my entertainment from streaming. So this next obsession is through the magic of Disney+. Plus. And I'm obsessed with the TV show Obi-Wan Kenobi. So this is part of the Star Wars story. And, um, you know, Star Wars has been around since, what, 1977? So I imagine you've had plenty of time to figure out whether you like that stuff or not. So if you don't like that stuff, don't watch it. But Okay, but you know... You know, there's, I have friends who have Uh said, I've never watched it before. And then their significant other or friend or whatever is like, no, 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 come on, just watch one with me. And inevitably they get a, you know, they, they fall in love with it just like everybody else has. (laughs) I have certain people in my life. It is not up their alley. They don't (laughs) enjoy it at all. Leave them alone. But I. This TV show, there used to be a time uh, when someone who is known for their work in movies would not be caught dead on a TV show. 
And apparently those days are over because Ewan McGregor, who uh, played the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the movies, is now back on TV screens to play him once more. And I've liked his acting ever since I saw the movie um, Train Spotting back in the 1990s. And that's just one of my all time. I, I love that movie because it shows um, both why someone would gets addicted to drugs and how um, how what is the big attraction when you know that there's this horrible downside and they show both ends of the spectrum. So I, I love that movie. I think he's a great actor. The caliber of acting in this series was spot on. I thought that the Mandalorian was movie level storytelling and this TV series is just another win. And, uh, so when you see this TV show, the twin Scott, oh, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry, folks. Look, if you don't know this part already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I think it came out in the, it came out in the early 80s yeah. <laughs> that, that um, Luke Skywalker has a sister. <laughs> twin sister and so at the point in this tv show they are now 10 years old and ordinarily i find child actors cringeworthy i i really <laughs> have big problems with children um either on stage or on the screen i i, I most of the time i don't like it but the girl who plays princess leia is fantastic she gives true meaning to the word spunk and sass. She is, she is really, I, I, she's just, you know, just the right amount. She and, is definitely a little Leia. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And um, what I thought was interesting that John Williams requested that he uh, create music specifically for the TV show because Obi-Wan Kenobi up until this point has never had a character music theme of his own before and Williams wanted to write one for him. So that's in the TV show. And um, a good story requires conflict and the series presents the conflict in the form of a group of force sensitive assassins known as the Inquisitors, and they were hired by the Galactic Empire to uh, kill any Jedi that survived Order 66. Okay, I just went dove a, a little bit into <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. I love how uh, even among this group of Inquisitors, there is a division and that's as much of a spoiler as I'm going to provide. Um, at, well, the TV show is now complete. It was doing a, an episode a week type of a format, but now they finished the, the run of the show. So it's complete. So if you want to binge, go ahead, do it. I recommend and, it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a good one to binge because it, it was a very good series. You, you tune in for Obi-Wan because that's, you know, the series title. Right. But you stay for Leia. <laughs> At least I did. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah, I'm a, like a totally different person. I might have stayed for the whole story of the one, the biggest the, Inquisitor yeah. that the, you... The big, the big conflict between the, yeah, the, Obi-Wan and, and the Inquisitors, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I did not see, I didn't really know a lot about the series before it started, but I did not really foresee it having uh, Luke and Leia and especially focusing as much on right. Leia as it does. Yeah, but it was a good show. Good show. I recommend it. Yes. Okay, I think that's it. Thank you so much, Heather. I really needed the distraction from the heat. 
And um, it, I learned a, a whole bunch of things that I was totally unaware of. So I love, I, I like, I like learning things in bits and pieces, doing a three day <laughs> seminar, not so much, but this I could handle. Um, it's been a helpful discussion. If you would like to contact Heather or myself and other amazing travel advisors, just go to the Reach for the Magic Destinations website. There you will find great travel advisors to get the ins and outs of dealing with the maze that is making vacation, making a vacation uh, come to fruition. We also have Travel Happens website at podpage.com forward slash travel dash happens. If you would like help with vacation plans, my contact information is in the show notes. I can help with adventures with ocean and river cruising, as well as universal parks and resorts. If you would like help with Disney or universal products, seek out Heather. Heather's contact information is in the show notes as well. Thank you, dear listener, for spending time with us. Next week, we will learn more about what's beyond our front porch. So don't forget to reach for the magic. Reach for the adventure.